Hi friends, Rob here. And before we get to this week's episode of Between Two Mics, I want to tell you about another show that I think you're going to love. And it's recorded on Squadcast. I'm the host of The Family Vacationer, the go-to podcast for families on the move. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts or at our website, thefamilyvacationer.live. Now, let's get to Between Two Mics. Hey, Between Two Micers, Zach and Rock here, and welcome to the show. We're currently on a break from the podcast, but while we're away, we're still dropping episodes from some of our favorite shows. In a moment, we'll hit play on one of those feed drops. We chose these podcast drops very carefully, and we hope you'll stay tuned to enjoy them. If you like what you hear, please make sure to search for their podcasts and subscribe. While we're away from Between Two Mics, we're working on getting V5 of Squadcast ready for all of you. We're also working on revamping this podcast. If you have any suggestions or ideas, we're very available on social media. Just search for Squadcast FM on all platforms. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of the Squadcast story. Enjoy this feed drop. Hello, Squadcasters. Welcome to the show. My name's Arielle Nissenblatt, and I am your community manager. On this week's episode of Between Two Mics, we're reintroducing you to a conversation that we produced last year between Zach and Rock, our co-founders, and the hosts of I Know Dino, who are a married team. Their names are Sabrina Ricci and Garrett Kruger, and they are obsessed with dinosaurs, and they built an entire community and podcast around their obsession with dinosaurs. The reason Zach and Rock wanted to interview Sabrina and Garrett is number one, because they are squadcasters and we love showing off the work of squadcasters, but also because what they've done to build community around their podcast is really something to behold. And if you've been hearing lots of buzz around creating community for your podcast, they do a great job of building that community. For example, they have a Discord channel where they ask questions and then use those questions to feed into their podcast. So they're gonna walk you through their tips and tricks why they do what they do, how passion sustains them, and so much more. So let's get into it. Hope you enjoy it. Can you please tell us the story about being a dinosaur enthusiast? Where did that story begin for you both? Well, like a lot of people in our community, it started when we were kids. For me, it was Land Before Time. For Garrett, was it also Land Before Time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then Jurassic Park and all that stuff. And then... You know, you get a little bit older and you just don't talk about dinosaurs as much. And it was maybe three years into us dating. We were living uh, on the East Coast. And so we were going to the American Museum of Natural History in New York a lot. Like anytime anybody came to visit, like, let's go to this cool museum. (laughs) And we'd find ourselves in the dinosaur hall and kind of realize, oh, wait, you like dinosaurs? I like dinosaurs. Like, let's let's start talking about dinosaurs all the time. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how it started. And we we started mapping out museums around the world with dinosaur exhibits because we eventually wanted to go to as many as possible. And then then we ended up having a dinosaur themed wedding. So I used to love dinosaurs growing up as well. And you all are kind of reconnecting me with that love. But I guess for each of you, what is it that makes you love dinosaurs so much? I guess, Sabrina, we'll start with you. Yeah, for me, it's because they, well, they lived for such a long time. Um, There's this, one of my favorite fun facts is the time when Stegosaurus lived and T-Rex lived is actually longer than the time between when T-Rex lived and now. 
And you think about wow. like there are so many different types of di- there's so many weird dinosaurs, uh, mm-hmm. so many weird things about dinosaurs that we're learning every day practically. And but there's also so much we still don't know, and we don't know what we don't know. So there's this mm-hmm. huge like mystery factor, like what other? And it's kind of fun to think about like maybe there was some kind of pink fluffy T Rex type thing <laughs> yeah. out there. Like, we don't know for sure. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, I think for me, it's similar. My favorite thing about dinosaurs is the variety of them. Just like the weirder the dinosaur, the better. And there are some really weird ones. Like the animal with the longest claws of all time is a dinosaur called Therizinosaurus. And its claws are, what, two feet about long? Yeah. And it was basically like a sloth in a way, but like a ground sloth, if you're familiar with those, just like huge herbivore. So it was like probably friendly, but it had the biggest claws of any animal ever. And they were sharp. They were like weaponry. Yeah. But on like this big, goofy, some people call it like Jar Jar Binks looking. It's got like a long horse head. Jar Jar Wolverine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love the weird dinosaurs. That's And they are some of the weirdest animals. And the fact that they were huge and so successful and still around. In in modern birds, yeah, is great. What was the phrase you used the other day? Uh, you likened it to Pokemon. Oh yeah, <laughs> I often think of them as like Pokemon because there's like such a variety of them, and they all have their little like skills and <laughs> advantages and disadvantages and stuff. And I think as a kid, that was really fun, like thinking about like, well, what would the Triceratops have in a, as an advantage against a T Rex? Yeah. It's like, well, it has the horns, but then the other one's got the big teeth, and then like <laughs> imagining how that interacts is really fun. That's a great point. Now, now that I hear you say that, that's probably what I like too. There was such a variety and some flew and some were uh, herbivores, some were carnivores, like some were super scary. And then some seemed like, oh, that could be a pet, right? I feel like I'm reliving some of my inner childhood. So uh, thank you. <laughs> and I, I really love all the movies that you said uh, that kind of got you your start, like Land Before Time. I don't even know how many there are of Land There's Before Time. So oh. many. Yeah, it's awesome. Many. And uh, <laughs> and then of course, right, Jurassic Park. But like, if you had to say, like, what was it about those films, that content that that really captivated you as children, like so much so that it stuck with you through your life and and has now led to these amazing careers that you both have. For me, with Land Before Time, it was all about Littlefoot. <laughs> and Grandpa. Yeah. 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 And how like... It that relationship. Up, and they grow up to be so big, too. And those long necks so they could just reach anything. And I don't know if that was because, you know, I was a kid and I was small. And even as an adult, I'm still pretty small. (laughs) They're still my favorites. (laughs) For me, I don't know. I don't remember having a favorite dinosaur in Land Before Time. But my one of my favorite dinosaur types is in there. My favorite is the ankylosaurs, which are like the low armored ones with the big club tails. Mm. And it's funny because like... I'm really tall. Sabrina's pretty short, and she likes the tallest dinosaurs, and I like pretty much the shortest dinosaurs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's the same kind of thing. Like I like the idea of these like compact, powerful things that like are nothing like me. I don't. I don't know if that's anything, but. That's my best guess. <laughs> so what made you want to start a podcast about it? It sounds like y'all love talking about it. So was it was that the, the clear next step or where did the podcast come into play? When we started the podcast, I was listening to a lot of podcasts because I think podcasts are great. And I was looking for a dinosaur podcast because there's tons of dinosaur news all the time. And we I would see like little news clips about, oh, there's a new T-Rex relative that's out and I'd want to learn more about it. You can find like a little article, you know, like a couple paragraphs on like NPR or something and read something. And I'm like, but I want more. Where's the podcast that talks about this for like an hour with like people that are really into it? And there wasn't anything. And so like I couldn't keep up with the news 
from a podcast. And then I told Sabrina about this, and she was like, well, maybe we should start a podcast. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going from being like a podcast <laughs> listener to a creator. That is a whole other level. But yeah, we did it. <laughs> we did it, yeah. And we learned a lot along the way because we, we didn't study paleontology. So there yes. was a lot of things to pick up. And then we kind of dove headfirst. We started reaching out to some big name paleontologists before we realized e even how big a name they were necessarily, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which nice. I think worked out well. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, there's some useful ignorance there. <laughs> well, yep. what was that like to reach out to a paleontologist and say, hey, we got this dinosaur podcast. Was it easy to get them on oh, and yeah. excited or was it? The longer we've done this, the more we've kind of fell in love with this community of dinosaur enthusiasts because everybody is so passionate and mm -hmm. they're so, uh, it's so great talking to them, but the paleontologists and paleo artists, the people about their work. They love sharing it. It's always like fascinating stories about how they got there or even like the specific things that they're working on. And then yeah. people in the community in general, even just like the enthusiasts, like everybody's just so friendly and loves to talk about it and loves to be open and sharing and give tips and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, our first few episodes, we were basically recording before like anyone had listened or maybe like a few people had listened by like the fifth interview. And these paleontologists who were like some of the most famous, like the people that basically gave direction to Jurassic Park mm -hmm. about like, you know, these are the kinds of things you can do. So they're like the experts of like T-Rex and stuff like that. We reached out to them and they literally didn't ask like, well, why should I come on your show? Or like, how many listeners do you have or anything? They were just like, sure. Yeah. Yeah, like what time? Okay. How long is it? That's awesome. A few of them were hard to reach because they were uh, like one person was in Antarctica for six yeah, weeks doing yeah. a dig. So it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, we'll get yeah. back to you. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes scheduling because they could be out in the field could take a while or they're teaching or whatever. But when they have the time, they're very generous with it. So it, it's been great. Yeah. It's been actually very easy in that respect. I'm really glad to hear that. It's surprising to me that there wasn't uh, a podcast about dinosaurs. Yeah, there are um, a couple, but they, they just weren't weekly. And there's just so much new news mm -hmm. all the time. There's a new dinosaur discovered almost every week. So, like, you kind of need a weekly podcast yeah. to keep up with it. Or there's a we should say there's paleontology podcast, but they don't necessarily talk about just dinosaurs. Yeah, right. and there's enough with dinosaurs to just like... When we started, we were worried all the time that like, what if there's not enough news for this mm -hmm. week? Like, are yeah. we just going to have... Are we going to have to like fluff dinosaur pieces to fill this in? It's never been the case. But no, every <laughs> single week, it's like there's too much. Every week for the last six years, there's been too much news all the time. So we have to figure out what the most interesting thing is. You see, that's what's blowing my mind here is because I originally came in here thinking like, okay, this is... You know, it's dinosaurs. There's not that much new stuff going on. I'm ignorant to the space. How do you keep the content going, especially since 2015? And to hear that, no, you're actually having the opposite problem. We need to figure out what we're going to focus on because there's so yeah. much stuff going on. That's incredible. How exciting yeah. though, too. Some people call today like the golden age of dinosaurs because basically around the time Jurassic Park came out, I think the number was roughly around like three or 400 dinosaurs had been found and named. And in the last 20 years, or 25 years, we've had like another 700. So it's like tripled basically since then. So it's way more dinosaurs are discovered now than ever were in the past. Yeah. It's just constant. Do you know why that is? Is it That's just bananas. the technology or what, what's what's going on? More people chasing these? Uh, yeah. It's a mix of that. Yeah. The technology's mm -hmm. gotten better. Uh, Jurassic Park itself inspired an entire generation of paleontologists. Like yeah. people. Here and, we are. We're seeing that now, <laughs> I think, with Jurassic World, which is really cool. And it's spreading out to it's places around the world where people weren't necessarily looking for fossils or knew mm -hmm. much about dinosaurs. There's now 
more interest in those areas and then local people kind of working on these things, which has led to some really exciting discoveries. Yeah, people talk about how it used to be more of like a colonial style thing where basically like the first time Velociraptor was named was a guy from the U.S. from the American Museum of Natural History went to Mongolia because they had reason to believe there might be some dinosaurs there and found a whole bunch of dinosaurs and then brought them back to New York. And then like, you know, 50 years later, somebody goes back. But nowadays, there's like a lot more local stuff happening. Mm -hmm. So like China is a huge example where like they're doing all these construction projects in China and then they happen to stumble onto a dinosaur and there are tons of local paleontologists in China. So it's just like new dinosaurs named all the time. And that's where they find most of the feathered ones. Yeah, it's great. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. And like Rock said, you know, back in 2015, like I'm curious, it sounded like it was kind of obvious to you to start a podcast because that was kind of something you had already framed. You were already a a listener, a fan of podcasts and like surprised that you didn't find your show. I've heard led to a lot of people starting their show. My recent kind of side project uh, podcast, it was exactly that kind of same turn of events. And that's something, though, in, in 2015 was kind of less obvious than it here than it is here in 2021. So it sounds like you're happy with that decision. And would you say that that's like because you have the whole I know Dino brand. Do you think of the podcast as the center of that or as one of the folks off the hub? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, when we started, it was definitely like a spoke because we were trying to make I Know Dino like a blog. So we had like the museum map and Sabrina was writing lots of little articles like, you know, 10 facts about T-Rex and stuff like that. But as time has gone by, the website has become more of a list of podcasts, <laughs> like detailed show notes. So like the podcast has become much more of the hub. And part of that is because like you can build a community around a podcast in a way that it's a lot harder to do with something like a blog. So we really enjoy having the podcast sort of the center of it. And then we can like host watch parties. And when we write a book or something, we can say like, oh, we wrote this book. Yeah, I would say the podcast is like the central thing now. And the other projects are the spokes off of it. <laughs> that's really cool to hear. I think that's interesting how the strategies evolved over time. Why else do you think it works? I know you mentioned that it was a weekly podcast, but I got to imagine the passion that you two bring to it is a key component. Anything else that you think is uh, a reason why it's been working so well? Part of it is the openness of the community. So like early on, we could get good interviews that really like taught us a lot, too, because sometimes we're in an interview in the early days that we'd say something and they're like, no, that's wrong. (laughs) So we can learn from our mistakes. But then also, yeah, so like the community on that side of it, but then the community and the openness of the fans as well. Well, and we work with them too. Like you were saying, we made some mistakes in the beginning. Uh, We had an episode one time where we made a mistake. Uh, We said that there was a a dinosaur debate that we thought had been settled and it turned out it hadn't been and it's actually still kind of hotly (laughs) debated. And so one of our listeners kindly, very kindly pointed out to us like, hey, actually here is why this debate is still going on and here's some sources. And they worked at a museum and as a paleo artist and they definitely knew what they were talking about. So we ended up inviting them on the show to correct us and (laughs) we talked about their work as well. So yeah, things like that, just kind of engaging where we can. Yeah, I like this science podcast format. That's sort of like where I was when I was when we started our podcast. And we sort of modeled it in a similar way to a lot of shows where basically with science, it's ever changing and ever evolving. And so like focusing on who's right and who's wrong and like getting worried about making mistakes isn't really helpful. It's more about like correcting things and then like getting to the best understanding. And I think that worked well with us not knowing a lot in the beginning because 
I think a lot of our listeners also had some of the misconceptions we had, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. they can sort of learn along with us. And now I think we have a pretty good understanding of dinosaurs, but nobody knows everything. Yeah. Because it's like we're trying to figure out these details from a few bones that you find in a few places. So it's always changing. We also do a thing where our patrons can request a dinosaur of the day. We do a dinosaur of the day segment, which is a deep dive. And it started out with like people's favorite dinosaurs, but now we're 300 and (laughs) almost 50 episodes in. So we're getting to the weird ones. (laughs) And some of our (laughs) listeners like have specifically requested ones because they want to see us figure out how to pronounce a name. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. They're so difficult, some of them. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are written in extinct languages, so there's nobody that knows how to say it on Earth. It's just like guesses. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. You know what I love about this is it sounds like we're talking about uh, comic book heroes or Pokemon, <laughs> but this was real, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like incredible. Well, people get attached to their dinosaurs, too. There's some people where Taurosaurus is their favorite, and they're like, let's not make that go away. Yes. <laughs> There are paleontologists like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's super difficult, right, to be a professional, full-time content creator, podcaster, and, you know, respect to you both for having successfully made that that leap in your careers. But can you unpack, like, how you made that super inspiring transition? Yeah, uh, it took a while because we've been doing this since 2015, <laughs> and it wasn't until uh, February of this year that we both were doing this full-time. Uh, Garrett's been working on the I Know Dino full-time for the last, I don't know, three years or so, which kudos, he's done an amazing job. Thanks. (laughs) But yeah, how did we get here? It was a lot of of experimenting and trying new things and getting a little bit lucky. We got lucky a little bit with like Jurassic World coming out, for example. Mm. And around when we launched, it was maybe a few months before that first movie came out and uh, we got featured on Apple Podcasts. So that was like a really good way to get some momentum in the beginning. And then... From there, we were kind of thinking like, oh, okay, let's, um, how else can we tie in with Jurassic World, like especially when the next movies come out and things like that and kind of get people where, like, hey, you can learn even more about dinosaurs with us. Yeah. And we learned the the value of sort of cross promotions and going on other podcasts because we did get that big boost from Apple Podcasts when we got featured there, but we found that we could get a similar boost if we got on a similar podcast and because it's it's just a lot easier to get people over into your audience when they're already in a podcast listening audience of similar shows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we found some people to collaborate with and then we would do that. One of the first ones was actually using Squadcast because mm-hmm. we met at awesome. the California Podcast Association. Yeah. And we didn't have Squadcast yet, but he did. So we were a guest on his and I was like, oh, man, this works really well. We got to switch to using this. Yeah. This is better than what we were using. Glad to hear that. Cool. And then Garrett started uh, working with our community a little bit more. Like we launched a Discord server, and, mm-hmm. which has been really fantastic and uh, really nice, especially this past year. You want to break from anything. People are just on there talking about dinosaurs. Oh, it was so wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, because like anytime you looked at anything, it was bad news everywhere. Except like our our Discord server was just like this little sanctuary of dinosaur information with like nothing else. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back soon with more from Between Two Mics. Hey, Squadcasters, while we've got you here, we want to tell you a little bit about our YouTube channel. Since we released our video feature in January, allowing podcasters to record both their audio and video on Squadcast, we've been working hard to walk the walk ourselves. So what does that actually mean for listeners of this podcast? 
Well, Zach, it means that in addition to listening to this podcast, Between Two Mics enthusiasts can also watch snippets of our show. We're working with our friends, Tristan and Justin at motionagency.io to bring you highly produced and exciting video elements to further illustrate the points that we make with our guests on this show. We encourage you to check out our YouTube channel and to see how we're experimenting with video and how you might be able to experiment with video too. So just head over to youtube.com and search squadcast.fm in the search bar. And please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Now let's get back to the show. So one of the takeaways I'm getting from this is like, it sounds like y'all just were riding a wave. Now, did you know that the Jurassic World movie was coming out and then released the podcast or is it just kind of happened more serendipitously and it was just great timing on your perspective? And then also the, the part about getting featured on Apple podcasts. I mean, there's books and plenty blog posts and videos on how to do that. Like, was that part of the strategy too? Or again, is it just like you were riding this wave and just timing worked out incredibly? Sabrina might not remember it or might be underselling it, but she had all of this in mind the whole time. She, wow. <laughs> so she was talking about all these things. So like, for example, when we started the podcast, too, there was at the time people were talking a lot about the new and noteworthy section. So we released two episodes a week for like the first month or something. First eight weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah. See, exactly. She's like, <laughs> she knows. Uh, Mastermind. <laughs> exactly. To try to get on that. And then when Jurassic World was coming out, she was like, OK, we you know, this is a big opportunity. We have to make sure that, like, let's reach out. To, let's try to find the iTunes people. Let's see if they want to do, like, a dinosaur promotion. We can, like, present this to them and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, like, it's that cliche about, like, luck is opportunity meets preparation. Right. And Sabrina's good at that. Well, since it worked out the first time, the second... When the second movie came out, that's when we started reaching out to them, too. Like, hey, you still work here? You still want to feature us for <laughs> this movie that's coming out? <laughs> yeah. And then we made, like, special Jurassic Park content. Like, leading up to the movie, we were doing all this stuff where it was like, oh, what what dinosaurs do we know that have been in right. Jurassic Park before? Well, we, we got to interview one of the artists who worked on the movies, mm -hmm. which is, he's great. Uh, Super cool. Yeah. But I think there's stuff like this you could find in any podcast niche where, like, there's something going on in the world and you can position yourself to connect with that and connect with that audience. Yeah, that's totally why I think it's such an important takeaway. And I wanted to highlight it just because uh, that's not always intuitive to, to a lot of folks, I think, but to, to, to show you as an example of how well this can work and how strategic your thinking is like Sabrina, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> what other types of experimentation have you, have you all done specifically when it comes to like monetization? I know a lot of folks are looking for ways to, to monetize and it's incredible what you all have been able to do. So what, what, what type of other experimentations and what have you learned along the way? Thanks. Yeah, there's a couple uh, off the top of my head. Uh, Gary, you could jump in if you if yeah you think of something else. But we have a few books, and one of our books is we did this series for a few years, like top ten dinosaurs of whatever year, mm -hmm. uh, the year we started the, doing the podcast, and it was to highlight because there's tons of dinosaur books out there, but not that many about the more recent dinosaurs necessarily. So we did. Um, is actually inspired by this paleontologist, Bob Bakker, who is one of the inspirations for uh, Dr. Alan Grant on Jurassic Park. But he wrote this book in the 90s called Raptor Red, which is this fictionalized story of Utah Raptor told through the eyes of Utah Raptor, and just one of my favorite books. So we wrote kind of short stories about dinosaurs in that style and turned it into a book. And then uh, after we had about 50 stories, we turned it into a full-length book, along with fun facts about that all the dinosaurs that were discovered 
in the last like five years or so. We turned it into a book and then we, at the end of each chapter, it's like, and you can go to this particular episode in yeah. our podcast <laughs> and learn more about these dinosaurs. And we dive deep into these specific dinosaurs. That's a good example of the podcast being like the center and the book being like the spoke. It's yeah. like trying to get people back to the podcast is the idea. But yeah, Sabrina also has a background in self-publishing and publishing in general. So she couldn't resist making books. Yeah. <laughs> I noted, yeah, there's like seven, I think I counted. And, and you're the primary narrator on most. And yeah. I think I saw Garrett on, on the more recent one. So. Yeah. yeah. So with those books, too. That's a lot. <laughs> Thank you. With those books, one of the details was that Sabrina knew that with traditionally published books, it takes a long time to get the information out there. So when you're reading a dinosaur book, usually the information in it is like five to 10 years old, maybe older if they're repurposing other stuff. And Sabrina was like, oh, well, if we self-publish, we could get these new dinosaurs out there in a way that nobody else is doing. Yeah, we could also talk about our podcast a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Somebody posted on Instagram one time and they tagged us and it was a book that had been published where we were one of the sources and they took a picture at the back of the book and cited us. Like, that's, that's amazing. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to I want to unpack that a little bit more, Garrett. Like, uh, are you are you all starting to become like uh, thought leaders, authority figures within within the space? Has that started to, to happen at all? Maybe. It sounds like a little bit. I feel like I have imposter syndrome when it comes to that. I think a I lot hear of you. <laughs> I saw I saw you speak. You I've seen some presentations as well. And the speaking we've been doing has been more about podcasting than necessarily. Di we've done a couple of talks about dinosaurs. Yeah, but I think I think we're more comfortable with our expertise in podcasting than dinosaurs. Since we don't have a formal education in paleontology, but. We are able to comfortably speak about things. I think we've read enough papers, like, yes. you know, in, in, in like generalist terms. Yeah. And after six years and doesn't look like you're showing any signs of slowing down, I think, you know, you're putting in those, you're putting in the work. So I think it's uh, one day, hopefully, you'll uh, not feel that imposter syndrome because I don't <laughs> think it's uh, warranted. But I understand why. I get it. Like, you don't, you know, and I think that's respectable of like, you know, you're the paleontologist, they, ha they deserve a certain level of uh, acknowledgement, but you are becoming experts whether you uh, realize it or not. Like that's, that's, I, I mean, there's so much confidence you two have with talking about the subject too. I think that's a big part of it. There's a funny thing in paleontology though, because it's, I think it's because it's such a academia heavy thing. Like it takes so many years to get the degree. Even people that have that degree sometimes don't want to call themselves paleontologists mm. because they're not like actually working on bones like at that moment. <laughs> so there's yeah. like so many people are like, well, I'm a paleontologist, but not really. And it's like, you're definitely a paleontologist. <laughs> you can call yourself a paleontologist. <laughs> I wonder if that's that 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 mental picture that we all have of like Dr. Grant out there with like his little brush and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that's not me. So like that's, that's somebody else. That's cool. And you, you mentioned some of the experience uh, experiments that you all have done that have helped you. Um, certainly monetization is a big part of going pro. Right. Um, it's kind of a prerequisite there. But can you tell us some stories about some of the experiments that didn't work for you? Let's see. A lot of it is social media, I would say. Mm. Sabrina was like, or still is, she really enjoys trying all the new social media. So we're like on TikTok and like all the all the things. We're, we're mostly just having fun on TikTok. I wouldn't say there's <laughs> it's me in a dinosaur suit dancing. We do some dinosaur facts on there too sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like in the beginning, I think we thought that social media would be really important. So we put a lot of effort into like making sure we were tweeting a lot and doing Facebook posts and doing Instagram things and just like everything. And what we found was like podcasting and social media don't really make a whole lot of a difference. Like you can get retweeted by somebody with a hundred thousand followers and you might not get a single listen or maybe you get three listens where if you go on another podcast that has like 200 listeners you can get 10 new listeners <laughs> so like it's the we found that like the the cross collaboration within the podcast space is really valuable but sometimes like some of the other social media related stuff can be a lot of work and not necessarily much payoff well, yeah. it seems like you found other ways to collaborate and engage with your audience. I know you mentioned Discord and you, you're using Patreon, so you mm -hmm. have patrons. What do you do on the, the Discord? Like, uh, and what's that been like to engage yeah. with the, the rest of the I Know, I know Dino community? We've tested a lot of interesting stuff on the Discord. That might be, I don't know if those would count as failures. Maybe just not as big of a success as I had hoped. But like, oh, so let's hear them all. <laughs> sure. We did one of the earliest things. We moved our like dinosaur of the day requests to Discord. So that was just like a simple way to be like, if you want to request a dinosaur, go to our Discord. And then at least it was a reason for people to go there. And then we have a news channel because, like we said, there's so much news, we can't cover all of it. So we can talk about news just on an ongoing basis, rather even more frequently than weekly, because all these papers are coming out all the time in the Discord channel, which I think is maybe the most valuable. But then we've also found that a lot of our listeners are artists. So we have an art channel and people post pictures of like dinosaur art they like or dinosaur art that they recently made, which is awesome. We, so we do, do watch parties mm. uh, every couple of weeks. We started this about a year ago. And it was a big success in the beginning, I'll say. <laughs> when everyone was stuck at home. When everyone was stuck at home, we started with watching Jurassic Park and Jurassic World movies. And we are still doing the watch parties, but the turnout is a little lower. Starting to dwindle <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Some things are big successes. Some things, you know, are of the moment. And then it's eventually time to move on. People talk about the projects that they're working on. There's actually some of our Discord patrons that are building their own museums and oh, yeah. building up their own fossil collection or replicas. Aspiring wow. museum yeah. builders, yeah. yeah. In general, I think the main thing that people like is like the Discord, they like the community, they like the bonus content that we make, like we do extended interviews, things like that. Pretty soon we're going to start making like extra episodes for yeah. our patrons. A number of people like our merchandise too. Mm -hmm. With t-shirts and things. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you know, and we're we're Super trying cool. something out right now. We have a competition going right now where people can design a t-shirt and then we're going to have everybody vote and then the winner will be featured in our store and we'll also send them a like a prize pack of a yeah. shirt and a mug and stuff with their design. Sabrina's always coming up with new ideas, as you can see. <laughs> Clearly. I come up with some of them, but she comes up with most of them, I think. It's fun to try. <laughs> well, it's it's super impressive because that's one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is like, it's great to have your podcast and be a podcaster, but you're much bigger than that oftentimes. And like having, uh, we like to see it as like a show in that like the podcast, uh, I think you talked about it, Zach, being like a spoke on that, but you guys still seem like you're having fun with it. What's it been like to continue just adding and doing more? The <laughs> podcaster's job is not 
easy. Like it's, it's a lot like starting a small company where there's a lot of different jobs yeah, media to be done, a lot of different hats. Yeah. You're totally, uh, uh, you are creating your, your media company. I think that might just be, uh, I like doing new things and trying things. And then you see like, a, like, Oh, that's a new platform we could try or some new tool or something like, what's that like? How can we use that in, in some interesting way? So, yeah, I think that's been, it, it hasn't been, I don't think, I don't think we started out thinking like we're going to be this massive right away. It, it was always like small steps and like, okay, we figured out how we're going to best make our podcast and, you know, uh, interviewing people and getting the content out and making sure that's weekly. And then it's like a high quality show. That was, that was like the number one thing. And then once mm -hmm. we got comfortable with that, it was like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Uh, well, let's try writing a book. And then you just kind of like small steps to each new thing. Yeah. And I think one of the main things for us in terms of like longevity, like not getting burnt out and all that is we, we go for new things that we would want to do. I always phrase it as like, I want to do this anyway. Mm -hmm. I would enjoy this whether or not it was my job. And so even if nobody listens to this and nobody cares about it, I'm not going to feel like, oh, that was a big waste of time. Yeah. I feel like that passion is what can often like be the raw ingredient that helps us like persist through like iterations and experiments and, and not kind of seeing it as like, oh, we tried this, it failed, that's done. It's like, no, oh, let's try something else. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. And you're going to be doing it anyway, to your point. So I think that's uh, really kind of a, a beautiful way that, that this show, this business, this empire that, that you all are building is got a lot of value. It's not just monetization, right? It, it, there's a a lot of value and you know the connection with your your listeners and it sounds like the discord also may help you with your research of like staying on top of the news and everything it that's does, really yeah. beautiful like symbiotic relationship yeah can, do you want to touch on that a little bit more I've listened to other podcasts and heard the podcasters talk about like, oh, I've gotten so much help from and then they like name they give the person a shout out for helping with and it could be anything. And like we're getting to a point now where people are helping us with like our dinosaur museum map or like you said, the news. We used to have to like we have our Google alerts and all those types of things. There's a there's a mailing list called the dinosaur mailing list that's been going on for like 40 years. Nice. <laughs> it's like paleontologists just sharing their own articles all over the place. Those used to be our only sources. But now now we basically get all of that same information just directly from our listeners and you can see what they're most interested in hearing about. So it's like we don't even have to think as hard about like which of these news stories would be the most interesting because we've seen them posted like five times. So it's like, OK, well, I have to cover that. That's So it's it makes things easier in both the sometimes people are directly doing work we used to do and in other times they're doing like market research in a way by just like letting us know what they want to do. It's awesome. We've been stressing like the community thing to anybody who's interested in podcasting because it's like that's what makes it more enjoyable. It's what makes it easier. It's just like everything well, about it is great. It's also like we love podcasting, but some days it's a little bit harder than others. And but we still, you know, we need to get our show out every <laughs> week and having this community uh, just in hearing the feedback and people saying like, oh, we love your show and or this has helped me with something. It feels really good. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's why we're doing this. That's why we keep going. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, community is a huge part of uh, the Squadcast story. And that's one of the things that we love being a part of the, the larger podcast community is just the, the people that are in it. But it's easier to say and, and certainly, uh, you know, something worthy of, of desiring, but like to actually create it where it's working to the degree that it's 
working with you all is, is no easy task. And, you know, something that we're still building and, you know, always iterating on and looking to improve as well. So, you know, really commend the the work there. Cause that's the true essence of like a community to me, or at least a community I want to be a part of or cultivate, I should say, is like, they're helping each other. Like you're just kind of giving them the platform or the arena, so to speak, to engage and interact with each other. But they're doing all this stuff all on their own. And that's that's really incredible and special. And it's only making I Know Dino better. How long did it take to cultivate that, though? We launched our Discord server maybe a year and a half ago. And it did, in the beginning, I was like trying to drive it. So I would, at least every week, I would post like, here's some interesting new stuff and like sort of seed it, which is sort of how it goes with Patreon too. You can't Mm. like wait for the audience to get interested and like sign up and be like, well, I only have one patron, so I'm not going to do anything. It's not worth it. You got to drive it. Exactly. You got to like act like you already have 100 patrons and then you might get 100 patrons. If you act like you have five patrons, you're going to just keep having five patrons. (laughs) So yeah, it took a little bit of a little time to get people over into the discord. But once you get more and more people, it, it does like sort of snowball with like the network effect where you can talk about like this cool things happening on discord and then more people will sign up and go over there and all that. But yeah, you do have to have the audience as well. So it is a chicken or egg sort of thing. It took longer than I expected because we had, I don't remember, maybe a hundred patrons or something when we started the discord. And so I figured like, okay, well, this is obviously a value that people might be interested in. It's got news and dinosaur stuff that everybody likes. So they'll sign up. And I think what happened was everybody that already had a discord account, like immediately joined. So we got like 20 people right away or something. Mm -hmm. But then other people like getting them to create a discord account it was it's just been like a slow trickle since then basically and i think it does drive people to become patrons too since it's like a patron feature that you get to go into the discord server all right so looking ahead i know you both have big plans for your continued work to make i know dino awesome what can podcasters our listeners expect to come from you both and i know dino I guess our plan is to keep making the podcast. <laughs> That's the main thing. Oh, sure. I hope <laughs> so. Foundation, Thank you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> keep doing the interviews. Keep yeah, growing that community. We touched on it earlier, but I think the biggest by far prerequisite for podcasting is like being really passionate about the topic. So finding that connection between what you're passionate about and what there's an audience out there for like finding that connection, sort of like presuming where that community, where you can build that community is, I think, the biggest thing. Because if you know that you're really interested in talking about something, you're going to be able to do it on a weekly or biweekly or monthly or however often your podcast comes out basis. And consistency is really important with podcasting, especially if you're going to try to monetize it and you want advertisers later. Mm -hmm. If you want your community to stay engaged, you can't be just like, well, I kind of like this topic and I'll talk about it once in a while. Like I know there are some podcasts where it's basically like people talking about what they do at their job. And like sometimes they'll have an interesting story and they'll like release an episode and it's almost like a journal, like a periodic journal. And it's like, that's not good. People aren't going to build a community around your job. It needs to (laughs) be something you can connect with people about. I think you're absolutely right. And you two are great stewards of it because you've been doing the podcast since 2015, yet talking to you, it feels like you're just still getting started. Like you have this excitement about it that 
it's still fresh and fun. And that's really been, uh, it's contagious for me to, to be talking to you now. So uh, really appreciate it. And I learned a lot. And I think of all the takeaways, that probably is the one that you hit home is that uh, the passion that you two come with about the topic and just what you're doing is uh, incredible and something I think we all can learn from. So thank you for sharing that. Also, the emphasis on your audience, right? Uh, that's something that I, uh, is a common thread um, in all of the the topics we've touched on today is, you know, and it, it kind of blows my mind how the audience can become kind of uh, a side consideration or or less of a priority for the podcaster because like, it's my business, I'm looking for clients or this is uh, my job and I'm like documenting that, right? So very like creator centric, which there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's kind of one kind of show, but the shows that I think really grow and like and have the success that, that you all have experienced is you can't really get there without deeply considering the audience at every decision. I think that uh, paints a really awesome picture of, uh, you know, the contributions that you're all are making to, to helping uh, more podcasters be more consistent, be passion driven, audience focused. All of these are things that we like to touch on in the podcast, but you're inspiring because you're doing a lot of it or most of it or all of it and uh, and really putting that together so that you both can have uh, professional careers in what you love to do. So it's inspiring on many levels and just want to share our gratitude for walking that walk and lifting others up with the the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And a lot of it, uh, it helps to be using Squadcast. That's been a game changer for us in our interviews. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Very nice. That means a lot. Yeah. Really, really glad to hear that. I, uh, I know that you're your guests are all over the world because of the work that they're doing. So that's uh, double cool for from my perspective. Yeah. yeah. And then they just click on the link and they're in. And a lot <laughs> of times the internet connections are not great. So having that back end upload after the fact has been helpful in a lot of cases. <laughs> fantastic. That's that's exactly uh, what we had in mind. So fantastic that you're, you're finding a way to make that part of your workflow and I, I personally look forward to learning more from you both. And this has been fantastic to, uh, to learn from you here today. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between Two Mics. If you learned something or we intrigued you a bit, let us know on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for Squadcast FM. This show is put together by us, Zach and Rock. It's mixed and produced by Vince Moreno with help from Ariel Nissenblatt. Our logo is designed by Alex Wedby. That's it for us this week. We're back next week with more from Between These Mics.